Have you ever wondered if we are alone in the universe? Is there any scientific evidence showing that an intelligent designer created the heavens and the earth? Welcome to Darwin or Design on Tampa Bay's Christian Talk AM 570 and 910. You may have heard about the debate over intelligent design and Darwinism. Find out what the evidence says about the origin of life and mankind and just what the experts are saying. Darwin or Design brought to you by the C.S. Lewis Society. Now your host, the author of Doubts About Darwin and Darwin Strikes Back, the research professor of Bible and theology at Trinity College in Trinity, Florida, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to Darwin or Design, the program that tackles each and every week the biggest issues and questions that can ever come up in anybody's mind, the ones that really kind of dog a modern-day academics in their lectures and their discussions, students and professors. And I want to thank you for listening. We're excited that today is our first time that we're actually going to be heard on The Bridge FM. Of course, we're originating here from our studios at uh, AM 570 and 910, WTBN in Tampa, Florida. But we're now available up there in the hinterland of where my parents actually grew up in Newton, New Jersey. Actually, a little bit east of that is where the heart of the Bridge FM is. And hopefully you're listening in the New York City or in New York or in New Jersey. If you're listening elsewhere, it must be on the Internet. Uh, and I wanted to thank my... Maybe enjoying a slice. A slice, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Uh, Bill Carl, I'm going to give you an honorary doctorate here. Thank you so much for being my technical producer here at the uh, WTBN studios in Florida. And I thank you for making that possible. Uh, we are excited about uh, today's program because the 25th anniversary of the inception of the intelligent design movement really is being celebrated. I mean, there's no skyrockets being shot off as far as I know tonight or in the coming weeks. But it was 25 years ago this month that a very important, and I'll call it a bombshell book, came out called The Mystery of Life's Origin. The mystery of life's origin really, according to my own analysis, was the first book that set forth the basic ideas of intelligent design. Well, the author, the lead author, Charles Thaxon, of this fantastic, groundbreaking work is with us on the phone. We'll be bringing him in in just a minute. Dr. Charles Thaxton uh, with a Ph.D. in physical chemistry and a great philosopher of science as well as a bench scientist as a chemist and author of The Mystery of Life's Origin, also The Soul of Science, another fantastic book. We'll be talking to him about those two books and some of the other things, exciting things that he has been working on. So we do welcome you each and every week. My, of course, a post here in Florida is a professor at Trinity College of Florida, and I try to tackle each week different issues that are coming up, hot-button issues, cutting-edge developments in the area of the debate between Darwin and design theory. And, of course, I've written a couple books on that uh, very topic. One is called Doubts About Darwin. It uh, was a development out of my Ph.D. research here at the University of South Florida. It's a history of intelligent design, Doubts About Darwin. And the other book, of course, the follow-up or sequel was Darwin, or is, Darwin Strikes Back, Defending the Science of Intelligent Design. Both of those books are available on the C.S. Lewis Society website, and that's apologetics.org, apologetics.org. And I might just mention that on that same website, we have a tremendous variety of articles and links to other websites. We have a link now to the uh, Harvard University website, which has a fantastic dive inside of a white blood cell, a fantastic journey, about eight minutes long, and you'll be able to see some tremendous renderings, uh, CGI, you know, special effect renderings of the interior 
of a white blood cell, it will blow you away. We encourage you to link on apologetics.org. Enjoy the articles. We have a great bookstore with DVDs of all kinds, uh, several new ones just added, including Darwin's Dilemma. Darwin's Dilemma, the mystery of the Cambrian fossil record, just came out last week, and we're carrying it in our bookstore based in Tampa. But, of course, you can order from anywhere in the U.S., in the US and we're excited about all those listening now in New Jersey, New York, and New York City, where um, I have some of my own dear friends and classmates from Princeton University. Well, I want to just bring in real quickly Dr. Charles Thaxton. I have gotten to know Dr. Thaxton right around the time that this book was first published, The Mystery of Life's Origin, and it uh, had a very instant reception. Two professors at Yale University wrote very, very nice comments about that book. On one of them, uh, Harold Morowitz uh, founded a, uh, an interesting start. In other words, a start into a new conception. He said it was an interesting start with considerable scientific thrust. And we had a professor, James Jekyll, of the, um, I think it was the either Biology or Medicine Journal, or maybe both, Journal of Biology and Medicine at Yale University. He, a Yale professor, said this was a wonderful book, and it will be kind of a, a little bit of a shock to those who were sitting there comfortably assuming that chemical evolution theory is all it's cracked up to be. So let's welcome from his office at Konos Connection in the south of Atlanta area, Dr. Charles Thaxton. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Thaxton. Well, thank you, Tom, for having me. It's a great delight to be on the phone with you. We've done conferences together. I was uh, excited to be a part of organizing a conference in the Czech Republic, where you lived for a number of years and had a tremendous educational organization, Konos Connection, of course, that you lead, doing work there. Tell us a little bit about your own background, kind of how you got into this area of intelligent design, maybe a bit of your story, if you don't mind. Well, certainly. Uh, my background is uh, I was in physical chemistry, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, that is my Ph.D., mm -hmm. and after that, um, I wound up um, being in Switzerland for a year as I took off after my Ph.D. before I went back to school. And that was at Labrie? That or? was at Labrie in Switzerland, hmm. and that's where I gave my, uh, my first lecture on the origin of life topic, hmm. um, and it so happened I, I had a a copy of a book called Biochemical Predestination, which was by a professor, Dean Kenyon, at San Francisco State University. Mm -hmm. I just picked it up before I left uh, uh, Iowa State, where I graduated, and put it in my backpack and took it with me and began to read that, and then along the way, just mentally make a, a critique of it as, as I went, and had an opportunity at Labrie to give my very first lecture on the subject of um, how the life began in, the, in a chemical soup idea. That was mm -hmm. the major idea of that book. And um, lo and behold, while I was there, there was a student who was at Labrie that particular year who had been a student of one of the primary uh, people in origin of life studies by the name of Sidney Fox, he and I began to interact and discuss, and the more I did, I, the more I got into that subject. I'd never really studied it before. So when I went back to, um, for my postdoctoral work at Harvard the following fall, I began to have an emphasis on how these experiments were performed. So I would go to laboratories in the area where this research was being done and ask how they did it and, you know, poke around and do this and that. And read many papers on the subject, and that's how I got into it. 
as a as a as a uh, uh, a study of my own. So you basically tackled head on the topic of the origin of the first cell or chemical evolution, right? That's correct. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, from that early research came, if I can use the word evolved, the book, The Mystery of Life's Origin, which really took a hard look, a hard critical look at all the facets of this chemical soup theory and found so many of them um, wanting in light of the newest research that had come out since those early chemical spark experiments. Can you give us, before we have to go to our first break, give us an example or two of some of the flaws that you found in that theory, and then we'll come back later and talk about the positive argument for design. Well, one of the, one of the main things that uh, it might be of interest to uh, an audience at, at this stage is the fact that in the, in the 1970s, there really hadn't been an overall assessment of this theory. And so it was difficult to, to find an overall uh, critique, and that's what we began to do. And in the process, I discovered that the, from the beginning, the origin of life experiments were to imitate conditions on an Earth without any living things or without intelligence to manipulate the conditions. Hmm. But as we looked at the experiments themselves, we couldn't find any that really fit those conditions. So the problem was... Uh, how to design an experiment without the influence of an investigator. That was the key area of of interest. And um, the more I looked into it, the things like an an early Earth that that didn't have any oxygen gas on it was assumed, yet we couldn't find any evidence from the studying geology and elsewhere that there was ever a time when oxygen was completely lacking from the Earth. Um, Same thing with a soup of chemicals. There was no geological evidence there ever was a soup of chemicals on the earth and a whole host of, of issues like that yeah. that we found. Wow. And I you know I'm just scanning down the list of these chapters and I think I'm like in a I feel, I feel like I'm at a some kind of buffet. I want to come back and attack each of these juicy subjects, but we'll do that when we come back in just a minute. We're listening to Charles Thaxton share the story of the inception of the intelligent design movement. He is the author of several books including The Mystery of Life's Origin and The Soul of Science, and we will be visiting with him in just a few seconds after we take this quick break. You're listening to Darwin or Design. I'm Tom Woodward, your host, and we'll be right back after this quick break. Darwin or Design is brought to you in part by Dr. James P. Gills and St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute. For over 40 years, patients from around the world have come to St. Luke's for the best eye care available. With offices in Tarpon Springs, St. Petersburg, Tampa, Spring Hill, and Bayonet Point, St. Luke's is close to you. Call 727-938-2020. That's 727-938-2020. Online at stlukescataract.com. St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute. Excellence with love. Darwin or Design is also brought to you through the sponsorship of the C.S. Lewis Society. Since 1975, the C.S. Lewis Society has sought to empower believers and engage skeptics with biblical truth and evidences for faith, communicating the case for Christ and authentic Christianity to those in the academic world, both students and professors. To learn more about the C.S. Lewis Society and to access articles and resources mentioned during Darwin or Design, log on today to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org.
Welcome back to Darwin or Design on Tampa Bay's Christian Talk, AM 570-910-WTBN. Once again, here's the host of Darwin or Design, Dr. Tom Woodward. Thanks so much for listening to Darwin or Design, and we're having a delightful conversation with Charles Thaxton today, a very important scientist in the intelligent design movement. We do want to welcome our new listeners uh, from the New York and New Jersey area on the Bridge FM. A warm welcome to each and every one as we originate from our studios here in Tampa, Florida at AM 570 and 910 WTBN. So we're talking to Charles Thaxton, who is one of the leaders, one of the pioneer thinkers on design theory and is also a Ph.D. graduate uh, from, I believe, is the University of Iowa, Dr. Charles Thaxton? Iowa State. Iowa State. I, I was close. From a graduate of Iowa State University in physical chemistry and did all kinds of really cool stuff like x-ray crystallography, which I don't even begin to understand. But it's uh, wonderful to see how you can kind of even probe the uh, shapes of biomolecules through that technique and, of course, other techniques that have come out in the last two decades. But we're talking about this very extremely important book that you published, uh, actually the Foundation for Thought and Ethics, um, brought out through Philosophical Publishing House and then Lewis and Stanley later on, The Mystery of Life's Origin, co-authored, I might add, with Charles, excuse me, with Walter Bradley, uh, who I believe is at uh, Baylor University. I think he's still there. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And uh, a very important engineering professor. He is a materials science graduate. And Roger Olson, who I believe is a, a geologist. That's his field. His uh, PhD is in physical geology. And we were beginning to probe some of the story of the beginning, the launch point of intelligent design. And, of course, there are so many problems uh, with the chemical evolution theory that were fairly obvious even in the mid-1980s as this began to come out and stir the waters I mentioned earlier that this is the book that really, uh, although it's somewhat technical in spots, uh, you don't have to have a PhD to, to read it. You might not understand every word of it. But this book, The Mystery of Life's Origin, brought out both the critical points, that is the flaws uh, or, or the mismatch in evidence between chemical evolution theory and the traditional theory that was brought out from the early spark experiments, the spark apparatus of Stanley Miller. And uh, Dr. Charles Thaxton, of course, uh, the author, co-author of this book, uh, worked on it over a period of several years. And um, tell us a little bit about how you came with the idea of intelligence as a cause in science. Uh, Well, well, that came, Tom, because um, as we got into it, just looking at all the chemicals, and then we began to look at the, the structure of the molecules themselves we were trying to explain, namely the the DNA molecule, which is the hereditary molecule. Mm-hmm. This molecule exists in all living things, and it has to be explained and accounted for. Now, science is, um, is working by making inferences from observations and what you see in the present, and then working them backwards into the past to try to explain things. Okay. The problem we noticed was that this molecule, DNA, has the structure of uh, the, same, the same kind of structure that you see in a book. They, it communicates information. The nucleotide sequences in the DNA molecule are structurally identical to alphabetical sequences in a book. Wow. And from this, it didn't take very long to recognize that if intelligence produces the book, then intelligence produces the DNA. 
1984, when our book was published, that was a bold thing to present and to state. Uh, and yet all we did was to follow the evidence where it leads. And what we found out very quickly is following evidence where it leads is okay as long as it leads to natural process. But when it began to point out and lead to intelligent cause as the source, that's when, um, that's when we found out that instead of an inquiry, we were in for an inquisition. Wow. Maybe and, we can... um, and so we, when we published that, at first uh, people weren't quite sure what to make of it, but there were other people who were beginning to express the same things, and uh, one thing led to another, and within a, within a decade there was a full-fledged uh, intelligent design movement. And of course, in those early days, when I first read your book, I was so impacted by it. I think I read it through three times, The Mystery of Life's Origin, by not only by Charles Thaxton, the one we're uh, speaking to on the phone today, but Bradley, Walter Bradley, and Roger Olson. I actually began to take the book to professors at Ohio State University. Uh, we were living in Columbus, Ohio at the time, and one of the lead professors, I will not name him, but he is a f- tremendously respected senior professor in molecular genetics, he practically locked me in his room, in his office at Ohio State, and said, let me tell you 20 great things about this book that I've seen in no book up until now. And so he proceeded to spend an hour just praising the book, and really, even though he was a committed uh, naturalist, you know, held to this kind of uh, no creator worldview he said this critical aspects of this book are marvelous now i don't think he necessarily agreed with the epilogue tell us about the epilogue of the mystery of life's origin and then maybe i can bring in a comment about steve meyer's new new book well uh, yes the um, the main thrust of the, of our book before we got to the epilogue was just a critical analysis of all the existing theories mm-hmm. at the time and we hinted at where we were going throughout but it was left for the epilogue to actually state the uh, the steps and the reasoning by which we got to our conclusion of an intelligent cause for the DNA molecule and therefore life itself. But that that's primarily was what the epilogue was. We separated it that way because in 1984 it would have been utterly impossible, I think, to have said such a thing within the context of the main body of the book. Hmm. And of course the epilogue points out five alternative theories if you come to the dawning realization that chemical evolution, the origin of the first cell, is utterly implausible as per the reigning paradigm, the, the popular theory of chemical uh, evolution in a chemical soup environment. Uh, I notice you he- here have new natural laws, which is like a wait and see, you know, let's see if something turns out. Uh, panspermia and directed panspermia, which is like the uh, life was seeded here, either by forces of unknown cause or, or intelligence. And then the fourth and fifth options are special creation by a creator within the cosmos, kind of the Fred Hoyle, you know, some unknown entity um, created us within the cosmos and then special creation by a creator beyond the cosmos. Uh, when you presented this book and defended it uh, in both U.S. and overseas, did you have uh, some, uh, you know, surprising reactions I'm thinking of like when you went to Romania or anywhere else, did you have people that say, wow, I never even thought about this? Oh, yes. Uh, in fact, one of my uh, most amazing uh, efforts, uh, uh, sort of experiences of all, was when I went to Moscow hmm. uh, in Russia. And um, I had a chance to give a lecture on the origin of life and these points we've been talking about 
to the very group of people in the history of science division that was responsible for turning out um, uh, science subjects on the origin of life to be shipped overseas. Hmm. And I had a chance to give a lecture to that, to that large group of people, maybe 150 or so. And as I went through the presentation, and it was translated, uh, at the end there was silence, and one gentleman in the back of the room began to, uh, to, to ask, he asked me one question. He said, sir, do you believe after all this study that life is the result of these chemical evolution processes? And I thought to myself, oh my goodness, I'm in for it now. <laughs> because I said, no. And the whole place erupted, and they said, we don't either. <laughs> wow. In English, they said. <laughs> so uh, that was the most interesting experience that I've had. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I, let me just uh, point out that we have many of the resources that feature Charles Thaxton, either as author or contributor, on our website, apologetics.org, is the own our own website. It's kind of a boutique. It's not, uh, as it were, like a Walmart. It's like a, a specialized apologetics-oriented, intelligent design-oriented web store. But we do have on that website, Darwinism Under the Microscope which I, I recommend as a great introduction to this topic. It's uh, co-edited by James P. Gills, uh, the, a doctor who heads up the staff at St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute, and somebody named Tom Woodward, who I know real well. Uh, the, Dr. Gills and I authored about a quarter each of this book, and then we got in contributors, including Charles Thaxton, uh, the scientist who's uh, on the phone with us today, who wrote DNA, Design, and the Origin of Life. It's a fantastic introductory uh, book. It's a great uh, gift to a college student, great stocking stuffer, so you might want to make a quick trip over to apologetics.org. We also want to mention, of course, arn.org is is coming, as it were, alongside us to uh, extend the offerings into more the the Walmart approach of a vast quantity of available resources. Uh, Dr. Charles Thaxton, uh, we have just about a minute left. Do you think that um, you're seeing, from your perspective, uh, steady progress intelligent design has the 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 um, barrage of attacks halted in its, in its tracks where do you see intelligent design headed just give us a 30 second quick answer on that one oh well the the, the criticism of intelligent design uh, remains unabated mm-hmm. but we are making progress more and more students are now considering these ideas whereas before they just looked puzzled but now students actually are considering, and many professors as well, not the monolithic opposition we faced 10 years ago. Wow. Well, I want to mention one key breakthrough that we've had, speaking of breakthroughs, the book by Steve Meyer, who is really a mentor of mine, along with Dr. Thaxton. Steve Meyer brought out his new bombshell book just this summer, and it's available on apologetics.org website and arn.org. And Dr. Steve Meyer's book called... Signature in the Cell, referring to DNA and this whole topic of the origin of life. It's a little bit on the long side. Uh, Chapter 4, 5, 6 might be a little bit technical, but it's a highly readable book, and you'd love to use that as a resource, I'm sure, along with the video, DVD, Unlocking the Mystery of Life. Uh, Yes, uh, Tom, I agree with you. The Signature of the Cell is an outstanding book. And we'll be right back to talk about that book and more on Darwin or Design. I'm Tom Woodward, your host. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Darwin or Design on Tampa Bay's Christian Talk, AM 570 and 910 WTBN. Once again, here's the host of Darwin or Design, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome back to Darwin or Design, a program, of course, that uh, is now originating from WTBN Studios in Tampa, Florida, but is heard now on the Bridge FM. We welcome all those new listeners who've joined us today from New York City, northern New Jersey, and parts of New York State. Welcome. And we're also welcoming to the program Dr. Charles Thaxton. Dr. Charles Thaxton is the author of a number of books. I have uh, several of them in my hand right now. One of them is called The Mystery of Life's Origin, a very important pioneering critique of the chemical soup theory of the origin of life. Uh, The subtitle is Reassessing Current Theories, and uh, he, along with Walter Bradley, and Roger Olson really shook up the scientific establishment, at least the portion that focuses on origin of life studies when it came out and really inaugurated the intelligent design movement 25 years ago this month. I cover some of that uh, activity, some of that excitement of the history of what was going on in my own book, Doubts About Darwin, uh, the history of intelligent design, which was my Ph.D. study at the University of South Florida, but it, I assure you, it is lowered down from PhD language down to the ordinary mortal language that uh, I prefer to speak in. I had to kind of write it for my committee, as they say, you know, for your professors on the committee, and then I made an ordinary uh, talk uh, for all of us. Then the uh, follow-up book that I did, Darwin Strikes Back, Defending the Science of Intelligent Design, literally devoted two chapters to the same topic. Chapters 8 and 9 tackled the area of the origin of life, and I had a lot of fun writing them and literally writing about our guest on the program today, Dr. Charles Thaxton, and his very important pioneering work in this area. Dr. Thaxton, you also wrote The Soul of Science. What an interesting name, subtitled Christian Faith and Natural Philosophy. What is The Soul of Science all about? Well, um, actually, uh, this is a co-authored work with Nancy Piercy, okay. and uh, the book is an assessment of the history of science, and we look at it from the, from the point of view of trying to assess how science interacted with culture, particularly with a Christian lens through which we viewed it, so that um, Christianity has often been considered to be in opposition to science, And we wanted to show that that is really not historically accurate, Mm -hmm. that science has been partially birthed because of influences of Christianity, and we wanted to make that very clear how it happened. So that's what the book does historically. And then, of course, at the end, there is a a chapter that deals with the topics we've been talking about today, the origin of life and, uh, and biology and so on. Well, you know, I was just sharing with one of my classes today, I think it was my Intro to Philosophy at uh, Trinity College in Florida, where I teach here in the Tampa area, and I, I was so excited to see their response when I traced the history of science as having roots that are distinctively Christian. I mean, that's that's a shock for some people, that it was actually Christianity, the Christian faith, uh, embedded or had within it embedded the assumptions that gave birth to science. Is that not a fair statement? Well, yes, it is a very fair statement. In fact, uh, when I was teaching at Charles University in Prague in Czech Republic, uh, this was a, was a real novelty for those people because they, under, under communism, they were never allowed to, to venture forth into these areas. Hmm. 
And uh, so our book today is still used as a textbook in uh, in, the, in the science departments at uh, Charles University in Prague. Wow. The book has been translated now into Russian and Chinese and Korean, as well as in Czech. And My goodness, I so, didn't know. Uh, it, it's, it's had quite an influence so far in other languages outside the United States. And, of course, The Mystery of Life's Origin, your other book, has also been translated, I know, into Romanian, and I think perhaps... Well, uh, Romanian and, and Czech, Czech and Hungarian, as well as Russian. <laughs> so the, the Faxton effect is heard, and at least uh, it's sensed across parts of Eastern Europe and China and other parts of the world. I love this book so much. Let me just make, make mention, The Soul of Science, that we actually stock it. Uh, it's been out for a number of years, but it's, it's, it's fresh. It's like perennially new. Because this book, The Soul of Science, is like a Christian perspective on the entire history of science, but with an emphasis on recent developments, including uh, relativity theory, including uh, DNA and the origin of this code within our cells. I mean, issues like that. But, you know, when I use this as a textbook, The Soul of Science, in my class at Trinity, the students exploded with excitement to hear how well science and Christian faith fit together like two pieces in a jigsaw. Have you had some good response in sharing the soul of science uh, in recent years? Have you seen people kind of uh, get excited about this message? Well, yes, of course. That is why these uh, other countries want the book translated into their language, because Mm -hmm. uh, this is information that's just not widely known. It's Mm -hmm. it's widely available, but it's not widely known because uh, universities don't really teach it this way. Uh, this information you have to hunt for, but it's there, clear and solid. Mm. Now, one of the things that I found both at the end of The Soul and Science, your chapter on DNA, and as well as in it's in our chapter, the, the chapter you wrote for Darwinism Under the Microscope, of course available on apologetics.org, that's apologetics.org, and, and even your earlier book, you talk about this the, the uniformity of cause-effect means that when we see certain effects today, right under our nose, or let's say in labs, produce, or habitually produce certain, um, or produced by certain causes. In other words, the effects, if we trace them back, are produced by certain causes. How did that kind of reasoning play into your work with DNA? Oh, it's central to it. Mm. Uh, one, of the, um, one of the great ideas of, uh, um, of geology, for example, has always been one of Charles Liel's statements. Mm-hmm. Charles Liel is kind of a modern founder of of geology, mm-hmm. he said the present is a key to the past. Okay, and the idea is what observations in the present can be legitimately extended as operating in the past, mm-hmm. and um, that's what we do. And we cannot go back to the past and actually see it, so we have to extend backwards through a process of reasoning and in, with inferential reasoning from the effects we see in the present. And uh, that's that's exactly what we do. When when you see in, a, in your attic, for example, you find um, you find an old manuscript, and it says, "Oh, you are the heir of the, of a great fortune." Well, then you look and you look at at the the kind of information, and you work it backward. If it fits all the evidence you have, then you say you might be able to collect the winnings. Hmm. But um, the same thing in the case of living things. We take the clues and the, and the observations we see, we work backwards, and what is it that can account for the kind of sequential structures we see in these so-called informational molecules? We know that um, chance processes don't do it, 
We know that normal natural processes of any type we have seen up to now don't do it. The only thing that we do know that does it is intelligence. And so, and so this is the basis on which the uh, reasoning works. And so it's like a can-do uh, capability of intelligence. Intelligence easily, as, as, a, as a kind of cause, intelligence easily accomplishes the setting forth of these specified complex sequences we find in DNA and, and let's say, proteins. Would that yes, be a- the only reason why it's not more widely appreciated is that in this country and, and elsewhere, there is operating a view that says in the area of the sciences, natural processes only can be looked at. And really, it just takes just a moment to realize the absurdity of that. Mm-hmm. For example, if you found Jones lying on the floor, you want to know how he died, you're not restricted to some kind of accident or natural process. You know that uh, murder or suicide is a possibility, and you look at the clues and see what fits. Same thing with a burning building. Mm-hmm. We're not listing, to, you're not restricted only to lightning strikes and other natural processes. Mm-hmm. Arson is a possibility. However, in the case of living things, natural processes are the only thing that is considered legitimate. Anything else is considered religion. Mm-hmm. Well, you apply that to so-called signals from space, they don't use the same logic, because there they're only happy if we found a certain type of evidence to draw the conclusion that an intelligence from outer space somewhere sent us the message. And so the co- logic is there, it's just not being systematically applied and of course, what one of the great ideas that you brought out and that I've been using in my own lectures on the topic of origin of life for the last 20 years or so is that if you went uh, and well, if, if you brought somebody unfamiliar with Mount Rushmore and brought them and kind of blindfolded them, set them down and then took off the blindfolds. And if they looked up at those famous cliffs in the Black Hills of South Dakota, they would instantly recognize or pretty quickly, at least an intelligent agent had accomplished that, you know, wind, water, erosion forces would never carve the precise likeness of the force of presidents. Uh, and therefore, we can infer an intelligent agent, even though we may not know who the agent is. That and, is correct. And so what you have to then ask the question, can we consider agency as a possible category in science? And of course, you argue that we can. I do want to mention that a fantastic DVD is available and we're going to go ahead and uh, make that available at a special offer for listeners from either Tampa Bay area or in the Bridge FM area, a special offer, introductory offer to Unlocking the Mystery of Life, half-price offer. Just go to apologetics.org. We'll be right back on Darwin or Design. Darwin or Design is brought to you in part by Dr. James P. Gills and St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute. For over 40 years, patients from around the world have come to St. Luke's for the best eye care available. With offices in Tarpon Springs, St. Petersburg, Tampa, Spring Hill, and Bayonet Point, St. Luke's is close to you. Call 727-938-2020. That's 727-938-2020. Online at stlukescataract.com. St. Luke's Cataract and Laser Institute. Excellence with love. Darwin or Design is also brought to you through the sponsorship of the C.S. Lewis Society. Since 1975, the C.S. Lewis Society has sought to empower believers and engage skeptics with biblical truth and evidences for faith. Communicating the case for Christ and authentic Christianity to those in the academic world, both students and professors. To learn more about the C.S. Lewis Society and to access articles and resources mentioned during Darwin or Design, log on today to apologetics.org. That's apologetics.org.
Welcome back to Darwin or Design on Tampa Bay's Christian Talk, AM 570 and 910 WTBN. Once again, here's the host of Darwin or Design, Dr. Tom Woodward. Welcome to Darwin or Design, and we're delighted to welcome new listeners from the New Jersey and New York area on the Bridge FM today. We're originating, of course, as always, from our studios at AM 570 and 910 WTBN in Tampa Bay in Florida. And we have on the phone with us Dr. Charles Thaxton. Dr. Thaxton is not only a mentor in my own research and writing on intelligent design, he really has been a mentor of an entire generation of scientists. Uh, he is now located in his own uh, office there near Atlanta in Georgia. And Dr. Charles Thaxton, welcome back uh, on our fourth segment. We appreciate so much your joining us, taking time out of your busy day. I understand you're busy uh, teaching on any given day, perhaps, through Konos Connection. Tell us about Konos and what you're doing there. Well, actually, um, Konos Academy, uh, readers, I mean, your listeners might not know that that um, I lost a leg some years ago when I was teaching in Prague. That's why we're back in the United States. Hmm. And uh, since that time, uh, my wife and I have gotten involved with locally with a lot of homeschoolers. And these homeschooling people have discovered that I like to talk, and they've talked me into uh, teaching one of the classes. So that's what I do mm-hmm. two days a week, is teach history to these students and, uh, and, and the impact of, uh, of these issues that we have even with the soul of science and mystery of life's origin, bring those topics in as well. But that's what I've been doing. That's what Konos Academy is, is, uh, is involvement with these uh, students in the local area here. Wonderful. Well, I know I visited you right there in your home, uh, just a wonderful area. And I think it was at Peachtree City. Is that the name? Peachtree City, Georgia. Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful area. I feel like I want to go out and buy a peach and just start munching <laughs> on it. It's a juicy Georgia peach. Well, Dr. Charles Thaxton, author of several key books, the one that I'm really calling the igniting book, it ignited a new way of thinking, a new paradigm that we call intelligent design theory. And that book, of course, we discussed earlier on the broadcast, The Mystery of Life's Origin. And the subtitle is Reassessing Current Theories. And you wrote that with Dr. Walter Bradley, who's on staff as a professor of engineering at uh, Baylor University. Roger Olson, of course, a co-author. We also wanted to highlight again, one more time, real quickly, this wonderful book. It's an introductory book, uh, really a, a collection of essays by the leaders of intelligent design. Uh, Dr. Gills, the famous eye surgeon, and I were both able to write about, uh, I think, two or three items each. And you wrote the book, uh, or that part of the book, called DNA, Design, and the Origin of Life. Those two books, along with the book we just discussed, The Soul of Science, are available on our website, apologetics.org, apologetics.org. You can also, if you want to go wider and kind of a, a massive uh, kind of a warehouse uh, collection of items related to intelligent design. Uh, feel free to visit ARN.org, a wonderful resource, ARN. That's the gigantic, almost you get lost in it, <laughs> warehouse. I think they even have mugs and T-shirts with uh, cool logos. Isn't that amazing, Bill Carl? <laughs> I'd love to have a mug that just says, this didn't just happen. That's right. Well, and they have one with a flagellum on it. You know, I think this, uh, and, and below it, you know, intelligent design, you know, indicator, that's kind of the mascot, the little rotary engine. Well, Dr. Thaxton, I know that your own work uh, is featured somewhat indirectly in this uh, video, Unlocking the Mystery of Life, the one that I just said was available now 
for a special limited time offer, half price on apologetics.org. Um, I'm sure that you would recommend that work, um, that DVD, one-hour DVD, Unlocking the Mystery of Life as a good crash course? Oh, absolutely. It's a uh, it's a easy way to understand all the issues and at the same time the visual uh the visual imagery of how life in the cell might have uh, might be working today mm-hmm. right there in this video and of course the guy whose book you you grabbed as you went over to switzerland and you began lecturing on science there at Labrie at with francis schaefer uh, in I think it was the early 70s or thereabouts. Yes. That, that book, Biochemical Predestination, by uh, this uh, Dr. Kenyon, uh, that's really part of that video. The whole story is told. So are you? Are you? Uh, you think that they did a pretty decent job telling the story of oh, how, yes, of how he changed? Much. Yeah, he changed his mind. He became from a, a leading advocate of chemical evolution theory to a leading critic of chemical evolution theory. And I might add, uh, Dean Kenyon. The author of Biochemical Predestination writes the foreword to your book, The Mystery of Life's Origin. I think that was kind of round the circle out a bit. Now, you've been doing some work recently on the theory, uh, general theory of neo-Darwinism and how Darwin might see things differently if he were around today, if he were lecturing or at least reading and poking in around today. What would you say are some of the reasons you know, that Darwin might have pause with his own theory, if he saw the scientific data today? Oh, my goodness. I, I went, What that lecture was is uh, 10 different points that I use for a discussion um, with, with the audiences, engineering and other science audiences, as I've traveled in universities over the years. But it's a, it's a series of 10 points, so some of which we've already talked about, the great informational explosion that we see inside the cell and, um, and where that might have come from, the molecular biological revolution and the thing that's behind that, the Cambrian explosion, the very what you, what this other video you mentioned uh, features is that uh, various other points, including natural selection itself, and how that despite the fact that natural selection is considered to be the major alternative for the need of for, uh, for a, instead of a creator, we have natural selection. The fact is that uh, it was 80 years before there was actual any physical evidence to support the notion that Darwin had of uh, natural selection. And, um, and even the, the uh, evidence that's available today, after all this time, no new species. And that's the big bottom line lesson to that, is that where is the physical mechanism that can account for this, the origin of these new species that we are told exists? So that's a big debate, and if you want to be repudiated uh, uh, very strenuously, just utter that before an audience, (laughs) and there will be myriad people come forth to show how ignorant and stupid you are. But in fact, there are many, many people today of um, stature in universities across the world who are recognizing there are great problems with Darwinism. Well, it, it's astounding to me that you were living in an era uh, where even leading university publishing houses are bringing out books that question the adequacy of neo-Darwinism to explain the origin of new living forms, such as the book Origination of Organismal Form, a very important book that was edited by Gerd Müller uh, in Germany and Austria area. And, of course, uh, by uh, Dr. Stuart Newman of the Medical College of Valhalla 
uh, New York. And that it just strikes me as amazing that at the very moment when they are questioning the adequacy of neo-Darwinism, it's almost like they're circling the wagons. Would that be a fair assessment? Well, I think so. Um, you see, there's a great discrepancy between what the theory of Darwinism says happens and what the actual physical evidence is that supports it. Mm-hmm. And if they were close together, then yes, we could we could understand, but there is a wide gulf that's being recognized that's there. And so it's clear, I think, that uh, uh, certainly... Um, if they found another approach, they would, but it fits the evidence. And, of course, this is precisely what Stephen Jay Gould did at Harvard. Mm. He pioneered the notion of, an, of another way to consider the fossil evidence and, um, for, and so we could consider the, the fossils as real, telling us something, because it was at such odds with what Darwin expected. Yep. Of course, that's what that video that you mentioned earlier will talk about, the uh, uh, Darwin's Enigma Exactly. The the work that you've done, Dr. Charles Thaxton, uh, over just the last two and a half decades since the intelligent design movement was really ignited, it was uh, set into motion by your book, The Mystery of Life's Origin, co-authored with Walter Bradley and Roger Olson. Your work has been vital. It's been essential. It's been groundbreaking and so encouraging to many of us who are trying to understand how to un- to view the living world in terms of its origin. Uh, any final recommendation that you would have as far as uh, you, you would, I, I assume, recommend that people not only get a hold of your book, but the new book by Steve Meyer, Signature in the Cell? Oh, yes, absolutely. His book is well worth the effort to, to, to get and read. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Signature in the Cell, along with the other books we've been mentioning, are available on apologetics.org, apologetics.org. And if you ever want to go into a bigger warehouse setting, just arn.org, the other ministry that is connected, of course, uh, with what we're doing here. Now that we're coming to you on the Bridge FM in New Jersey and New York, we just sort of want to just extend a warm welcome to our new listeners there. And, of course, we're originating from our studios in Florida, AM 570 and 910. Uh, WTBN. I want to just mention that coming up on the weekend of November 7th and 8th, I will be doing a Sunday night uh, conference at Brooklyn Baptist Church. That's uh, going to be given. I'll be giving more information on that over the next few weeks. But if you want to just save the date, and I believe the kickoff on that uh, particular day, that Sunday evening, will be 5 o'clock. And again, that's the weekend of November 7th and 8th. I'll be speaking at Brooklyn Baptist Church in Brooklyn, New York. I don't know how many people in Brooklyn can hear this uh, broadcast. Hopefully some many, many uh, thousands or millions in that whole area are tuning in, or at least potentially could tune in. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. Charles Saxon, for a wonderful tour of your work and the current situation, the cutting-edge situation that you're seeing there from your post in the Atlanta, Georgia area. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. I enjoyed it. Okay, we'll have to do it again sometime this uh, later this year. Okay. Okay, be encouraged. Well, thank you so much, uh, Bill Carl, for being my student, as always, in uh, soaking up this great new information. Um, We have had another opportunity that really is hard to just almost really assess, to speak to the the father, if you will, or the grandfather, uh, perhaps, of the ID movement. Um, I don't know. uh, One of the things that has struck me in recent years is that more the more that young people are hearing about intelligent design theory and have a chance to really understand what it says they realize that this theory is not based on religious assumptions 
it's really raising religious questions, but it doesn't, as it were, run on the, let's say, assumptions uh, that, uh, um, you know, we assume a priori or we assume ahead of time that um, there is a creator who did X, Y, Z. Now, I, as a Christian, as a Christian uh, professor, um, student of the history of science, know by faith and by understanding of scriptures that there is a creator. Uh, I know that by uh, the the evidence that I have uh, biblically, but we can see that even a, a, a secular person can recognize the fingerprints of design and can literally look into the question, who is the designer? And of course, that's always been one of our perennial questions that we raise at the end of each broadcast. Uh, who is the designer? Or we could even say, has the designer decisively made himself known in history? Has he, as it were, intervened? And as a one who in my own life came to faith in Christ, having been an agnostic in my freshman year at Princeton University, uh, having doubted any idea of creation and literally being you know, verbally critiquing and trying to change the minds of, of creationists, I've found a satisfying answer, and that is the person of Christ has in Scripture through his laying down his life for us and taking, out, taking it back again in resurrection has appeared sufficiently clearly to eyewitnesses who have actually encountered uh, then. And, of course, to this day, people by faith can encounter Christ because he is the creator. He is the one referred to in John chapter 1 where it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. Well, I'm Tom Woodward, your host, and we'll look forward to welcoming you next week where we tackle more information and discussion on the creation evolution front on Darwin or design. Yeah.